Hi, and welcome to The Flow, presented by Herewex, a female-focused extension of Haemophilia Ontario, a not-for-profit dedicated to supporting the lives of those living with inherited bleeding disorders. I'm Natalie Filbert. And I'm Amy Griffith, and we're here to help lead the revolution for women's bleeding disorder care. A note before we begin that this is a safe place for anyone who finds value in the content, regardless of their gender identity or their reason for being here. Hi everyone, I'm excited to be here introducing The Flow. Today we're going to talk about how The Flow came to be. I'm Natalie Filbert, the Manager of Women's Services and Programs at Haemophilia Ontario, and being a part of creating the HeroX website and The Flow Talk series has been a passion project for me. The HeroX website was created after listening to the community of women who were wanting more resources and support specifically tailored to meet their needs. For me, this website and talk series has been very important. As a woman with a bleeding disorder, I've made it a priority of mine, both personally and professionally, to educate and advocate for other women living with bleeding disorders. Amy Griffith is here with me today. And Amy, I know you've spoken to the bleeding disorder community on many occasions, but why don't we start with you sharing who you are and how you are connected to our community? Sure. Personally, I am a 30-something-year-old woman who lives with a bleeding disorder. I live with Baumwillebrand's type 2A. This was a genetic mutation within my family, meaning that no one in my family, including both of my parents, I don't have any siblings, have this disease. So this is something that I have lived with and learned to manage essentially without a lot of family experience, whereas typically Von Willebrand and a lot of bleeding disorders are inherited. So my story is a little unique. Outside of that, I professionally am an educator. I do some not-for-profit work both with Hemophilia Ontario and with another health not-for-profit. I find that the best way to be involved in any type of change is to take it head on. So I decided to do that quite a long time ago. And in that, I found kind of my place within the community, even though it did take some time to find that place, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. When you say take that place, what makes you passionate about the flow and Herewex website? So this was something I have been advocating for for quite some time. I've been involved in hemophilia Ontario for a number of years. My family was actually involved much before I was. Both of my parents were involved at quite a high level. Predominantly at the beginning, they were looking for education. You know, they were looking for ways to essentially keep their daughter alive and well, because again, as I mentioned, they had no experience with inherited bleeding disorders. They didn't know what to look for. They didn't know what to expect, particularly with a female who has such biologically normal bleeding in the form of my period, for example, there was a lot of preparation that they didn't exactly know what to watch for. So they were involved quite early and I saw that growing up and they were always the type of parents, again, with being an only child, I was always encouraged to be quite independent. And I came up through the organization as well as a youth member, as a mentor, and then eventually by being on the board of directors. And on the other hand, I was coming up through the organization through as a patient. So I was coming up through the pediatric system and then transitioning to the adult system and The biggest thing I found in common was everyone had the best intentions, but women were not recognized 
the majority of the time for their bleeding needs in the same way that the males within the organization were. And understandably, you know, male hemophilia in particular, although many women are diagnosed with hemophilia as well, it is known as a male dominated disease. So but the problem with that is it's very exclusive and it doesn't include the majority of women who live with inherited bleeding disorders like Fulmolibrand's disease, which sometimes isn't even detectable right away because we're not knowing how to look for it. So I noticed in a lot of my groups, whether that be the board of directors or whether that be at clinic or whether that be in my healthcare team, I just felt a bit like a standout, you know, there weren't very many women, young girls, there weren't a lot of resources or pieces of education. There weren't a lot of other people that I could really talk to again, aside from my own mother who did not live with the same disease that I did. So as I became more self-aware, as I grew up and realized that this wasn't all in my head. And there were a lot of women within our organization that are taking a back seat, whether it be in their healthcare or their advocacy or in just validating their experiences as someone with a bleeding disorder. Predominantly, a lot of them were also mothers taking care of a son. So they were taking an even further back seat. I'm not a mother, but I do know that they're going to put everything ahead of themselves. I started to really recognize and advocate for this, whether it be updating our comprehensive care documents, making sure that women were visible in it, making sure we had visible members on our board of directors. But on top of that, making sure that women were visible within our organization, whether that be social media, whether that be on a website. And we didn't really have much of a presence because we didn't have a lot of, for lack of a better word, things to put on something like a website. And we just didn't agree with that. So care has come a long way. This conversation has come a long way. And you know, the birth of Heroix and, you know, the flow is sort of a labor of love of all of that advocacy that so many women have put forward and who have been really open and honest with us saying that this is something that they could use and that they were missing and that they want. So to say that I'm passionate, is probably an understatement, mm-hmm. but it is something that I, I feel has been a long time coming. And I think, you know, I'm really excited. It's so close to coming to fruition and growing. And I think we are finally starting to see women understand that their care and their advocacy and their well-being is just as important and that there are so many more of them if they're just willing to come forward and, and make them make their presence really known. Right. You know, you said a few things that I thought were really interesting. And what a lot of people maybe don't realize is that, you know, I, of course, am here. This is part of my job. I'm I'm an employee of Hemophilia Ontario, and this is what I do. But what I was really struck by, and I think most people don't know, is that you volunteer your time. You put in this time of your own accord, this, and, and you put in a lot of your time. And I think that it's interesting because, as you said, you didn't have any of these things growing up. In fact, it was quite the opposite in many spaces, as you mentioned, where there weren't resources, there weren't, your mom had no idea. Like what, what drives you to be such an instrumental part of this whole topic around women with bleeding disorders? Thank you. I do volunteer my time. And I've always said that I, I'm always willing to give time if it's got purpose and it's got meaning and it's making, um, as for lack of a better word for being cliche, making a difference. I definitely do give a lot of time as a volunteer, but I think the big thing I've learned sort of as I've 
aged and grown up and been in organizations and volunteered, the biggest thing for me, and I think for a lot of volunteers is just, they'll continue to do it over and over again, as long as they feel like their work is meaningful and it's making an impact. And the biggest driver for me is exactly how you mentioned. They're just, I grew up not knowing what I needed and I learned so much from that. And I still see there are so many gaps in young women's care, in aging women's care. And we've come such a long way. We have comprehensive clinics for women now. We have OBGYN and gynecology. And we're starting to see young women's clinics and bleeding and so much more proactive care and so much more conversation at the front of the room and so many women standing up and you know, being volunteers and being active in their communities, but there are still so many holes to fill. And I think the biggest thing I've learned is if you're not willing to do it, you can't expect change. And I think when I was younger, I really shied away from my bleeding disorder. I didn't like wearing the medical alert. I didn't like the fact that it made me stand out. I didn't like that my parents would talk to my teachers and, you know, remind them of all the ways that I should play safe. And, but as I grew up, I realized that I, I can't really expect people to understand if I'm not willing to teach them and if I'm not willing to put in the work and, you know, sort of demand that change, I can't expect things to change. It may be seen as unfair that I have to advocate so much and that women have to advocate so much for their care in a way that it is. But the more people that step forward and do that and make sure that they don't get pushed away and make sure that they advocate, the more people that we educate. And I think For me, the biggest driver is that I am seeing change and I'm seeing resources getting built and I'm seeing things like our partners with Heroics really stepping up and wanting to be involved and wanting to, whether it be funding or in kind or in resource sharing, our doctors and our medical professionals want to be involved. We all see the benefit of working together based on experience and trying to make that better. So for me, that's the biggest motivator for me is knowing if knowing what I know now how can I prevent it potentially from happening to somebody else? Right. And I think that's always a lot of women in our community, particularly again, because the mothers, they just want what's best for the generation below them, whether it's their own children or their children's children or whoever it's going to be. All you want is the better for your organization and for the people. And I, my hope is that with this website and this talk series, you know, we're going to reach more people and we're going to see more change. Right. We've been doing this for a few years together, and I've always been really happy with how much of a a driving force you are for the women in the community, because it, it requires that, but not everybody can do that. Not everyone is willing to do that. So it's made a big difference having you a part of this. Now, Amy, we were very particular about the naming of the HeroX website. We were very particular about the naming of this talk series and even right down to the slogan. And and our slogan, of course, has become a revolution in women's bleeding disorders. Do you want to talk a little bit about why we chose a revolution in women's bleeding disorders? Because that's a really important piece of this for us. Yeah. And it, it was chosen so mindfully. We wanted something that would really be a little bit in your face and a bit standoffish and a bit presumptuous. Because again, the more we speak to women within our community, the more we're seeing them show up, the more vocal they're being, the more they're demanding for their care, the more we're realizing that this really is a revolution. You know, it's something that we haven't seen. We haven't seen this amount of research. We haven't seen this amount of dialogue. 
we haven't seen this amount of care for lack of a better word and women's care and the language in particular is something we are really learning um, unlearning we are now understanding more and more within our community that we want to be more equitable and inclusive we want to understand all the different types of community members that we have and we don't even know we have and why is that is it because our platforms are not inclusive? Is it because we are not approachable? And what kind of barriers is that setting up for care? You know, if we're setting up barriers and a social advocacy front, potentially for people joining us, where else are those barriers existing? So HeroX in particular is a gender neutral term. It's something that we wanted to represent the hero that is typically the matriarch of the family, but also understanding that not every matriarch necessarily will identify as female or live a female experience. And it was a balance in also including the double X to recognize a female genetically, because we're trying to balance an inclusive environment where everyone is welcome and everyone will find something that they're looking for, but also really keeping in mind and honoring the experience of our the women in our community and finally getting a chance to have their space and have their time. So we delicately and humbly trying to walk this line of understanding we will need to honor the women in our community who for a very long time have not had a space within it, regardless of best intentions, while also understanding that we know we are not fully serving our community because we don't represent our entire community currently. So HeroX, our slogan, right down to the images on our website and the language that we're trying to be really mindful of and our commitment for creating HeroX in the first place is to continue to create a platform that honors our history, but also recognizes our future. Right. I know this has been a lot of committed intention on our mm-hmm. part around really making sure that we do our best to make this a safe space for all, regardless of gender identity or the reasons why you come and visit us. But while exactly what you said, while honoring that history that mm-hmm. doesn't lose sight of the fact that for so long, women in the bleeding disorder arena were dismissed and ignored. And it's a tricky balance to, to try to maintain and walk. And we're going to make lots of mistakes and keep learning as we go and Mm -hmm. really continue to strive for this revolution, this revolution of bringing women to the forefront, this revolution of being an area and a resource and a support for those who menstruate or those who don't identify necessarily as a woman and part of that as well. So I I really wanted us to talk about that because it's such a great evolution in this way of, of of this whole environment. Well, I think it's also widening our lens to who would benefit from this content, right? I love, always love to tell this story where I was always one of the only vocal women, you know, years ago, luckily there's, there, we've got so many more coming to the forefront, but I frequently be called upon to talk about my period experience and which I was open to doing. And I was frank. And I noticed that the most people who wanted to attend these sessions were, were fathers, you know, mm-hmm. and it was typically people who've been left out of the conversation because it was a gender-based program. It was considered to be gender-based learning, right? Young women and their mothers. And I ran a session once and it was at a community sort of atmosphere where families were there. And I had, we had a lot of fathers attend and they had a lot of really good questions. And 
some of them had sort of been left out of this conversation just because of the way the program had been structured. And typically, you know, it's a very taboo subject for a lot of men and they wanted to change that. They wanted to be part of the conversation. They wanted to be there to support their daughters. They, they had questions to answer and they had no lived experience to go off of. And, you know, their mothers and their sisters wasn't something that they likely talked about with them. So like we said, really widening that lens that even it might not even just be a space for women. You know, it might be that we have an entire section on the website dedicated to starting your period or pregnancy and males and men and fathers and caregivers are going to be a big part of that conversation and understanding that if we widen that lens and make it about the education and not necessarily about the gender that can benefit from it, I think we really have a lot of potential to change the trajectory of and the history of why these have been done in this way before. So again, it's a balance of honoring women in our history and making sure they have a space that they've always wanted to have, while also remaining inclusive and making sure that this is a safe space for anyone who comes to visit us, regardless of their identity. But also, you know, understanding that by leaving out a gender just because they don't experience this health condition, it removes the ability for that gender to support other people and support women and support people who menstruate or are, are able to be pregnant and, or as they age, you know, these are all things that that's menopause, right. we, they haven't been included in the conversation. And in some ways that's kind of our own fault, right? So kind of widening that lens and thinking, well, who could benefit from this and make, let's make sure that it's accessible information for them, you know? That's right. Absolutely. So what do you see the future of women's bleeding disorders looking like? What do you envision? Oh, it's a loaded question. You know, in a perfect world, I would see much more programming and resources. Again, we talk a lot about diversity in language, and I'm seeing more conversation around changing some of that language, like um, comparing something like Baumwillebrand's disease to the female version of hemophilia, which it's not. Or, you know, we're now identifying carriers who used to typically be known as the, the mother who passed on to the son or to the child and may not have the bleeding disorder themselves. They're finally getting that val validity of I do have a bleeding disorder. Therefore, I'm a person with a bleeding disorder, not a carrier, because it diminished the healthcare experience that they had. So I'm really looking forward to seeing more change in language, more change in visibility. And again, we've talked a lot about whether it be in branding or whether it be in identity or whether it be, you know, even in our medical documents, our comprehensive care documents, the clinics that we run, advocating for more female caregivers or more female-based clinics, because at the end of the day, women will always be able to tell you when their next bleed is going to happen, how long it's going to be, the level of pain they might have, the lived experience that's impacted by that bleed, of course, what I'm referring to is a period, right? The level of care is so excellent nowadays. We're so lucky that some, particularly males who live with bleeding disorders who don't experience a period, they might live a very long time without ever having a bleed. And we're mm -hmm. so lucky for that. But with women and our biological ability to have a period, we are never really exempt from that bleeding experience. And yet we find the need to constantly be justifying and advocating for care and 
treatment and access to treatment. And I'd like to really see that change and the conversation around those hidden healthcare barriers like anemia and iron deficiency that really impacts quality of life that aren't talked about as much because again, a period is so natural. We can't imagine the impact it might have on a woman, right? Even just Mm -hmm. women without bleeding disorders have a huge risk of something like anemia. So I guess the long and short of it is I'd really like to see more actionable change. I think we have a history of hearing a lot of dialogue about change, a lot of buzzwords about change, even documentation about change, but actionable next steps on change and really seeing it across the province. You know, I think you and I learned a lot when we traveled across the province and visited women from the north to the south, to the east, to the west, and the disparities and differences between treatment just based on access to care. And this is something that our our male counterparts experience as well. So I should recognize that it's across the board, pediatric and adult, which is something that we should continue to fill those gaps. But on top of that, to be a part of that demographic that's already struggling with visibility and access to care, it's really difficult to try and imagine what that care must be like for them. So really like to see things, you know, continue to improve that this action that we, this momentum that we have and this action that we have continues and it grows and that we start to see women that feel safe to come out. You know, we had women express to us that they stopped coming out because we stopped showing up, you know, and they stopped talking because we stopped listening. And I'm really excited to see that we're seeing these women come back to being involved and being advocates and wanting to be driven the same way that I am. All those factors that once drove them are driving them again to come back. And I think that's really powerful because we are such a large number. I believe we're actually larger than hemophilia or some of the other inherited bleeding disorders. And seeing, you know, our female counterparts who also have hemophilia and who also have these rare platelet disorders coming together and meeting one another and coming back into the community that really wants to serve them. Yes. And I I think too, for me, even to add to that is this opportunity for more gatherings that bring women together to be able to share those experiences that they like to hear others have experienced too. And spreading across not just the province, but we've seen the spread starting to happen all across the country. So I'm really excited by all of the things that we we have coming in terms of the future of women's bleeding disorders. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the blessings we had with the pandemic and there were so few, but we did learn some things with it was we pivoted, you know how much I love that word. We pivoted (laughs) into having to run these programs online and create this safe space for sharing with our web series. And what we weren't expecting was the accessibility that came along with that for people and women and men and whoever needed that education to have access, someone for the first time, again, we talk about some of these more desolate areas of even Ontario that couldn't come down to to a daytime event in somewhere like the GTA. And now they could could access that information, that community through the screen and extending that even further into across the country and then into internationally and the the amount of potential we have there, but then there's nothing that's ever going to replace your physical community. So being able to get that back in tandem is so valuable, but that web series, I think caught us so off guard that we filled a hole. We didn't even realize we had. 
and That's we right. didn't we probably wouldn't even have thought of doing it without the pandemic because we didn't think there was a need. That's right. I agree. So I want to thank you for joining me today, Amy, and, and for us being able to introduce the flow. I'm really excited to be a part of this, and I'm really excited to bring more episodes to the community that will be talking about topics that are relevant and are things that people are interested in hearing more about for women with bleeding disorders. So I'm really excited by what this has the opportunity to grow into. Anything else you wanted to say before we sign off? Thank you for having me to the community. We're so grateful that you are vocal and showing up and telling us what you feel and what you need because we're listening and there's been a history of not listening. And we want to reassure you to come back and be a part of our community and help us grow and help us advocate for our needs. And we really hope that this website starts to fill some of those gaps and starts you start to see some of that visibility that you deserve. And yeah, just thank you for always for for how it's having me. It's always a pleasure. And thank you to you all for being a part of the revolution for women's bleeding disorder care. The Flow is presented by Herewax, a female-focused extension of Haemophilia Ontario, a not-for-profit dedicated to supporting the lives of those living with inherited bleeding disorders in partnership with funding by Octopharma. Find us online at www.heroix.ca. That's www.heroix.ca for resources, research, and support from our community. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.